Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Next is now. So it is time for Next is Now. Looking ahead to what's coming up. And one of the interesting things we saw today is that the Supreme Court has agreed to take up the Mississippi abortion case. Uh, That obviously has a lot of implications. Uh, There's uh, a number of other cases that uh, are likely to be picked up uh, into the next session around religious liberty. And so, as always, we uh, go to our good friend Kelsey Dallas from the Deseret News, uh, who is uh, also the deputy editor of the In-Depth team on uh, for the Deseret News, but uh, has a degree of in religion from Yale University, a uh, great writer, and someone who follows the court in a most extraordinary way. Kelsey, thanks for joining us. Thanks, as always, for having me, Boyd. All right, so let's let's start with this uh, Mississippi abortion case. The uh, came out this morning, early this morning, that the court would hear this in the next term. Very important for people to get that perspective. Uh, this term is almost done, wrap, wrapping up here shortly. Uh, but this is a case they will actually hear uh, most likely in the fall. Give us the perspective there. Yes, this is huge news this morning. As the site SCOTUS blog said, this could be the biggest abortion rights case in a generation. Basically, what's happening is that a previous ruling most have heard of called Roe versus Wade said the Constitution protects a right to have an abortion before the fetus is viable. And in, in Mississippi, they put a ban on most abortions after 15 weeks, which would be limiting some abortions um, that sort of would fall within that Roe versus Wade protection. And so in taking this case, the Supreme Court might be rethinking Roe versus Wade and eliminating um, certain abortions that are legal right now. Uh, and in looking at that, of course, uh, a lot of the uh, the chatter and a lot of the uh, conversations going on across the country have to do with the shift in the court. Uh, this will be the uh, first time since Justice Amy Coney Barrett was confirmed that there'll be uh, this kind of topic on the table uh, in a court that has shifted a little more to that 6-3 conservative majority. Uh, how are people kind of sizing up uh, how the the makeup of the court relating to this case? Well, as far as I can tell from following the buzz on Twitter and in news reactions, I think a lot of abortion rights supporters, so the more liberal side of the country, is, is feeling somewhat frustrated today, feeling like there's obviously at least five votes in favor of adjusting or even overturning Roe versus Wade. Um, what may happen is that there's a ruling that's somehow in favor of Mississippi, but maybe doesn't go as far as totally undoing Roe versus Wade or rethinking it dramatically, because my impression from following the court so far this year and in the last five years or so is that the way they surprise you is that they don't always go quite as 
bold as you expect them to. So even though there's conservative majority that they sort of all couldn't get on the same page with doing the same thing on abortion rights. And so they'd sort of fight until there was just a small change made. Oh, that, that's a great point, because often the, the hand wringing is is about the big uh, the big swings there. And uh, and often, uh, as you said, the uh, the court takes very small steps. Yes, definitely. And that's really what's been the marker of uh, Chief Justice John Roberts time is that he wants to do pretty narrow rulings uh, that don't mess up the status quo too much. Mm. That's really fascinating. So as as you uh, look ahead again, we're kind of looking at what's next. Uh, first, what are what are the things that are going to be next as we come to the end of this uh, current term of the Supreme Court? There are still two big cases that I'm following as someone who reports pretty closely on religion and the First Amendment. So the biggest is Fulton versus Philadelphia, which is a battle over faith-based foster care agencies. The question is, should a religious agency that does not want to screen or assess a same-sex couple and their eligibility to adopt, should they be allowed sort of an exemption from LGBTQ non-discrimination rules? And uh, basically, the city of Philadelphia wants to make it so there aren't any religious exemptions, and that would force an agency like Catholic Social Services to basically abandon the city because they'd have they wouldn't want to sort of sacrifice their religious beliefs about a marriage only being between a man and a woman. And so that's a huge case because it's not only affecting the foster care system in Philadelphia, it would affect the foster care system around the country. And then it could even um, further than that change the way all religious freedom cases are decided. And maybe the court would signal this um this strong protection for faith groups moving forward. Yeah, that's uh, that's going to be a really interesting one to see because, as you said, that that impacts uh, so, is, the impact is so far reaching uh, on that as it relates to the foster care and the uh, adoption uh, spheres within the United States. Mm-hmm. Yes, and then the one I, I, I needed to mention still was that there's a really fascinating case out of California that has to do what, with whether nonprofits need to disclose their donor list to the state. Mm-hmm. So the IRS requires uh, nonprofits to do that, but the IRS is sort of known for keeping things locked up tight. <laughs> it's like there's no leaks, whereas California has gotten in trouble before that sort of if anybody just used Google well enough, they could find this information that was supposed to be under lock and key. And so some nonprofits, including uh, religiously related ones, are saying California shouldn't be able to force us to disclose those donor data because it's making it so people don't want to donate to us and don't want to associate with a cause they may care about because they're worried about being outed. Oh, I, th- I think that's fascinating. And, and that's one that not only impacts uh, religious communities, religious uh, faith-based organizations, uh, but there's a lot of political organizations that would probably have the same uh, the same argument in that case. Absolutely. And the way when I wrote about it, I talked about it is if if you believe in this rise of the idea of cancel culture, where if something comes out about the work that you do or a cause you care about or a social club that you belong to, suddenly your entire life um, is under attack, the sort of you could lose your job. That's what people are afraid of is even just the threat of being associated with an organization that might not be very popular or that might be um, going out of favor that suddenly you are thrust into the spotlight as well. Uh, I I think that's so interesting. So I want to ask you this just real quick in our last minute or so here. Uh, Again, we're with Kelsey Dallas from uh, Deseret.com. And this this whole idea of, of cancel culture uh, and what this could do in terms of freezing people from engaging in civil society. 
as you track this, as you follow this through the courts and in all of these other places and spaces, are you starting to see kind of a, a disconnect there? To me, my bigger worry on this is if we freeze everyone or make everyone so scared to engage in civil society, uh, what do we end up with? Definitely. Sort of you're losing out on opportunities to change or evolve or take on exciting new opportunities when people who might have new perspectives and ideas are just nervous about getting involved. Something we ran at Deseret.com last week that's actually in Deseret Magazine in May was a piece from a black religious leader and scholar talking about the, the hesitancy of the black community to get involved in religious freedom advocacy because they felt like there's not been a black voice in that space. Mm. And why would they put themselves out on a limb to be that black voice? And I was just so sort of heartbroken reading that, thinking there's all these people who could be doing amazing work that it, it just feels like they don't want to speak up because they're nervous and the religious freedom community isn't doing enough to sort of pull them in. So that's just one small piece of what you're describing. And I think the country is worse off because of it. Yeah. Wow. Great insight, as always. Kelsey Dallas from Deseret.com. Always appreciate your perspective. Uh, we'll have you back. We know there's much more coming Supreme Court now, and the fall should be uh, a very interesting season uh, for this newer Supreme Court. Absolutely. Thank you again, Boyd. All right. Again, that's Kelsey Dallas from uh, Deseret.com. She's a great writer. She's a great thinker. And uh, so much to to chew in just that little segment in terms of what is coming down the pipeline in terms of some of these conversations. And these are all crucial conversations for us to have. Uh, I, I love the fact that Kelsey put it in perspective of this court under John Roberts uh, has been much more about incrementalism than seismic shifts. Uh, that many of the things where kind of the hopes have been dashed from one side or the other is that the, the justices haven't gone big and bold enough uh, on some of these issues, that they have been much more incremental uh, as opposed to the big seismic shifts. And so it will be interesting to see uh, come fall what the oral arguments are as it relates to this Mississippi abortion case. Uh, and uh, so we'll continue to track all of that. We'll have Kelsey Dallas back on with us uh, regularly. She always gives us great insight into what's happening in the courts, what's happening in the, the space of the religious community. All right, we're going to go ahead and step aside for bottom of the hour break. When we come back, we're going to get political life and leadership lessons from our own Alex Keery from the season that is the Utah Jazz. Stay with us. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andreas Martin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.